Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, it's so good to be with God's people today, to be with the people of God, not because I like you, which I, I like you, and not just because I'm like you, you know, we go to church, we're around people, just because we're a lot like them, but I'm rejoicing today because being a part of Christ's fellowship is to be under the love of King Jesus, and that's why we're here, to put ourselves under Christ and his love and his goodness. Read these words from Luke chapter 4. It says this, and he came to Nazareth. Or let me start in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you'll quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we've heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there, are many widow, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of prophet Elijah. Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Let's pray together. Father, we, we ask, Lord, that you would help us this day. Lord, that this day would be the day that our eyes would be open to see the glory and the beauty of King Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would show us the the glory, the beauty, the, the grace that is found in seeing Jesus and being found in King Jesus. And at the same time, Lord, I pray you would show us what it looks like to reject Jesus. To not receive the goodness and grace that comes from him, but to reject him and to deny him, to despise him. 
So, Lord, would you help me this morning? Lord, I am weak, I am desperate, I am needy. And if your spirit is not working in me, if your spirit is not working through me, Lord, we are wasting our time. And Lord, we as a people, we are weak, we are desperate, we are needy. And and if you're not speaking to us, if you're not speaking into our hearts, Lord, we are just wasting our time. So Lord, would you move in power today that we might see the glory and the goodness of King Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what if Jesus came to church today? Like, what if Jesus came into our city, came to visit Bowling Green, and decided to come to the 1030 hour and and be here with us and meet with us here at Christ Fellowship Church? What would that be like, you think? What, What would he do when he came here? Where would he sit? Some of y'all be making room, wanting to sit by you. What what would he say? What would be the things that came off his lips? And not just that, what would he be bringing with him when he came? Well, the good news this morning is that we don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess this morning because Luke 4 shows us exactly what happens when Jesus shows up to church. Exactly what happens when Jesus comes to be with the people of God for worship. It shows us what he does, what he says, and even what he brings to us this morning. But here's the question. The question is, will we receive King Jesus and the blessings of his kingdom, or will we reject him? Will we recognize the Messiah and all that he offers us, or will we miss him today? Will we receive that our long-awaited king who has come, or will we leave here unaffected? Unaffected. Sometimes at night, me and my wife, especially on Saturday night, I like to watch Shark Tank. I don't know if it's like a pregame meal, a pregame show for preaching the next day, but we like to watch Shark Tank. It, And if we're not careful today, we could sit here today like we're on the panel of Shark Tank and King Jesus comes in and we're sitting back just posturing, wondering, is this really worth my investment? Is this king really worth my time today? I mean, it has to add something to me. It has to add something to my portfolio for, for me to be willing to invest my life, to invest everything in you. But if Jesus really is the king of kings, if he's really the king who's come to shower and lavish us with all the blessings that come with his kingdom, why would we not receive him? How how would we leave unaffected today? So, So let me ask you this question just as we begin today. Will you receive the king today? Will you receive King Jesus and all the blessings of his kingdom? I mean, ask your heart that question. Will you receive the king and receive all the blessings that he offers you? See, our passage begins with Jesus heading into the synagogue in Nazareth. It's like Jesus heading back to his home church that he has gone to ever since he was a little kid. It even says in our passage, and as was his custom, in verse 16, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. This has always been true, always been true 
For Jesus, it's always been true and always will be true for God's people. The true people of God regularly gather with the true people of God. If you're a Christian, it's your custom to be with God's people. That should be true of you. Now, many of us look at this passage and say, well, this isn't exactly a church. And maybe many of us have never been to a synagogue, especially one that was from 2,000 years ago. You know, if you go to our website today, if you scroll down, it has this section called What to Expect. What to expect if you show up to Christ's fellowship on a Sunday. And it says things there like, well, you expect that we'll love your children. Expect rich biblical music. Expect biblical teaching through books of the Bible. Expect to, expect to take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. And more than anything... Above all, expect to hear about Jesus. If you're here today on Covenant Sunday, if you're here next week and you want to visit, if you want to come a year from now, and Lord willing, a hundred years from now, we'll still be singing and celebrating Jesus at Christ's fellowship. But what about the synagogue in Nazareth? But what, do you, what do you get when you go to the synagogue? What would you expect at a regular synagogue service? Would it be smoke machines? Laser shows, relevant, timely messages for your life. I mean, what, what would you get? Well, we know from history what you would get. The, the people would begin by, by reciting the Shema together. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And then the priest would stand up and lead the people through prayers together. And that would be followed through a time of reading from the law of God. And then they would turn to the prophets and read from the prophets. And lastly, someone would give some instruction. They would give a message, a sermon from the passage that they heard before they closed with a benediction. So this is exactly what happened when Jesus came to church, when Jesus came to this synagogue that he grew up in in Nazareth. The Shema had been recited, prayers had been prayed, the law had been read, and now they hand Jesus the scroll of Isaiah to read from the prophet and to instruct the people. And Jesus makes a beeline to Isaiah 61 that we find here in our passage. He makes a beeline to this passage to these words, and, and just picture Jesus saying this over the synagogue. Picture and hear Jesus today saying these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. Now, now, every Jew that was there today, every man, woman, boy, and girl, probably had heard that passage before. They were all familiar with the servant songs throughout Isaiah that pointed to this Messiah that was going to come. Every one of them knew that this was about the king and the coming kingdom when they heard these words. But when this passage had been read in the past, 
They heard messages that would cultivate a longing for the future. They would have their hearts waiting for the future. They would have heard messages like this. One day, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to bring good news. They would hear messages like, someday, someday the Messiah, he's going to come and he's going to give sight to the blind. He, he's going to set all the captives free. We're going to finally know what it feels to be, to have liberty. Messages like, on that day, somewhere in the future, the Christ will come and he will bring the year of the Lord's favor. So what happens on this day? What happens when Jesus shows up to church? Well, Jesus, after reading this passage, it says he sits down. That's, that's the position that people would teach from in the synagogue. And in verse 20, he says this. It says, the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. This is the, this kind of edge of your seat, anticipation. Who is this man? What's he going to say that's just read from Isaiah 61. It's the same word that, that Luke uses throughout the book of Acts. It's to be fixed on something. It's the same word that he uses of the disciples gazing at Jesus when he ascends into heaven. It's, it's the same exact word of Stephen when he's on trial and he's being stoned. And it says that he gazes into heaven and he sees the glory of God. So if you think about this, this isn't casual listening. This isn't going through the motions. They were fixed on him. They were hanging on every word. And Jesus reads Isaiah 61. He sits down, and then this is what Jesus says to the people. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, not one day the Messiah is going to come. Not someday we're going to receive all the blessings of the kingdom. No, today is the day. The, day. the Messiah is here. I'm the king that you've been waiting for. Everything you hear in Isaiah 61, everything you've heard since you were little, I am the spirit-filled Messiah. I'm the, the spirit of the Lord is powerfully upon me. I'm the one here who will bring good news to the poor, to those who are desperate and needy and broken. I'm the one that has come to set the captives free, those who need to be released, those who need to be released from their sin and their shame. I'm the one who gives sight to the blind, to, to those who cannot see. I'm going to say, let there be light, and they're going to see. Jesus is saying this to his listeners. All your hope can become a reality today. All your hope can become a reality today. That's what Jesus is saying to us this morning. All your hope can become a reality today. I believe this, the summary of this prophecy is found in verse 19. It's the last line. Look at verse 19. It says that Jesus came to proclaim 
the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's favor. The Lord's favor is imagery of a dawning of a new age. It's the coming of a new kingdom. It's the long-anticipated year of God's blessings being poured out, lavished upon His people. And it's only going to come through the King. God's blessings only come through the King, only come through the Messiah. But blessings like you experiencing true freedom from your sin. Blessings like true peace, true shalom that passes all understanding. Blessings like the lame walk, the the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the dead rising, God coming, Jesus coming, the King coming to make all things new. Blessings like forever being pleasing to God, forever being accepted, forever being loved by the Father. When you find favor in someone's sight, we read that in the Old Testament all the time. Maybe you said that in your life. I hope I, hope I find favor when I go into this job interview. I hope I'm looked upon favorably when my teacher doesn't see that I did that paper that I was supposed to do today. We, we hope to get favor in people's sight. And what we, we're saying when we say that is that we hope they look upon us with pleasure. We hope they look upon us favorably. To have favors for someone to be happy to see you. Well, this is what happens when the Lord's p- people find favor in His sight. He delights in you. When you rest and hide yourself in the King of Kings and in the one and only Savior, Jesus, He he delights in you. To to be favored by God is to have His face to shine upon you. It's to have His smile over you forever. To have His smile over you forever. If you look at your own life, if maybe you grew up in a home where where you don't know what it's like to have someone's smile upon you, where you look towards them and you've seen them displeased. You've seen them not have pleasure and delight in you. Maybe you've seen that in your own job. Maybe you've seen that with your roommates where people don't smile over you, but in Christ, the Father forever smiles upon you. Listen to Jesus this morning. Jesus is giving an invitation to every single person listening today. Today is the day all your hope can become a reality in Jesus. All your sin can be forgiven in Jesus. All your shame can be gone in Jesus. There can be peace that passes all understanding in Jesus. There can be a joy that's everlasting in Jesus. There can be a forgiveness that never ends in Jesus. Forever, favor, forever. Jack Miller says, for you to be under the umbrella, to to have favors, for you to be under the umbrella of God's permanent blessing. To be under the umbrella of God's permanent blessing. It might sound like I'm exaggerating right now. You're like, I think the pastor's going a little overboard. 
a little overspeak, a little overstating all these blessings. I've gone to church my whole life. I haven't felt blessed like this. I haven't felt joy and peace like this. But, but listen, brothers and sisters, to be honest with you, there's no such thing as exaggerating the unsearchable riches of Jesus. There is such thing as understating. There is such thing as underappreciating, undervaluing what it means to be under the smile of God, the favor of God. But there is no exaggerating. There's just an overwhelming sense of I'm a sinner. And yet the Father smiles upon me because of his Son. This morning, you can know what it's like to have to be under the favor of God, for God to delight in you, to smile upon you. You know, the prosperity preachers, they love to talk about favor, right? Finding favor in God to turn on TBN tonight. We're talking about finding favor. I heard a preacher one time on TBN said, get in my jet, and it says, God's been good to Jesse right there in my jet. They love to, t- to talk about favor, to talk about wealth and health and talk about possessions and prosperity. But listen, a brand new Lamborghini is laughable when it comes to the favor of God. Having the whole world is nothing compared to being smiled upon by a holy God because you're in Jesus. This morning, all you have been waiting for is found in him. All your longings are found in Jesus. Will you receive the king? Will you receive all the blessings that are found in him? Or the second question this morning, will you reject the king? Will you reject the king and all the rich, lavish blessings of his kingdom that he wants to lavish upon you? Because see, the message now is over from Jesus, and it's left with the crowd to respond. And at first, it looks like they're pretty positive. They they like his message. Just look at verse 22. It says, And all spoke well of him, and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. It's clear that, that the people were astonished by the words of Jesus. The problem is that they weren't affected by them. It's clear that they they heard the words of Jesus, but when we go a little bit further, they didn't receive him as king. They might have said, you know, that's a nice message. Anybody anybody else got family that likes to add the ST on there? That's a nice message. He's a great speaker. That's a great speaker. And then they forgot it when they went to El Mazatlan later that day in Nazareth. But brothers and sisters, we can can do the the same thing. In some ways, the the most dangerous place you could be today is in this room. The most dangerous place you could be is at church, where you hear God's word preached, but then you leave unaffected. You You leave rejecting the word of God. And maybe you're sitting there right there saying, I haven't rejected God's word. Why do you think I've rejected God's word? Well, anytime you leave from hearing God's word without receiving God's word, you reject it. You reject God's word. That's the nature of God's word. It either draws you to God or it drives you away. 
It either softens your heart to receive it with joy or it hardens your heart to reject him again. But one thing God's word doesn't do is nothing. This morning, is it softening your heart to receive it with joy or is it hardening your heart to leave here again and leave Jesus? Jesus knows this. He sees the heart. He knows the heart. That's why he says, doubtless you're going to quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we've heard you do at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. He knows they're going to ask for signs and wonders. He knows they're going to see all the the things that he can do. They're just like the crowds in all the rest of the Gospels. They want him to put on a show. The problem is they don't see they need a Savior. They're desperate for a Savior. And then he says this in verse 24. We probably heard this our whole life. He says, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Sure, you'll receive and you'll request my signs and wonders, but you're not receiving my words. You're going to reject me and despise me just like you did your fathers, the Old Old Testament prophets. Your, Your fathers in the Old Testament rejected the prophets as well. How sad is it to to be waiting your whole life and longing your whole life for the Messiah and yet miss him standing in front of you. How sad would it be to gather here today and to hear these words of Jesus and yet leave here missing Jesus? How tragic to be offered freedom from sin and the good news of grace and forgiveness forever, yet to leave here unaffected. To to leave unaffected like the people there in the synagogue. See, the people of Israel are standing from the king, the, the king who with joy, who came to bring grace for the broken and grace for the needy and grace for those who are desperate and the sick and the blind and sinners who need to be set free from their sin. And yet they miss him. They miss him because they think they're not sick. They miss him because they think they're okay. They're missing because they think they're good. They always come to the synagogue every week on the Sabbath. I'm always at Christ Fellowship on Sunday. Simply think we're okay. We're God's people. We're Israel. They miss the Savior because they miss their sin. They miss their Messiah because they miss their need of him. This morning, I pray that you that this is a sober message for you. You could leave here missing Jesus because you don't see your need of Jesus. You could leave here missing Jesus because you don't see that you're poor and you're blind and you're broken and you're desperate and you're needy. A desperate sinner who is in need of grace that you can't earn, but it has to be given only in King Jesus. Jesus takes it a step further in our passage, and he starts to provoke the crowd. He provokes the crowd with two familiar stories of two familiar prophets. He says, you remember that one story in the days of Elijah where 
where there was no rain for three and a half years and the famine came and the whole land was hungry, yet the Lord sent Elijah away from all the widows of Israel. Away from all the widows to a widow in the land of Sidon. A widow who knew that she was desperate and needy. A woman who knew she was desperate and needy and broken. And the Lord came to her in that moment and says, you will never lack anything all the days of the famine. And then another story from the days of the prophet Elijah. In those days when Elijah, who didn't heal the lepers in the land of Israel, but Naaman, the commander of the army of Syria, came to him. He was desperate and needy. He was desperate and needy. He, he received the word of the Lord, and he went down into the Jordan seven times, and he was cleansed of his leprosy while all the lepers of Israel were not healed. And the message of Jesus Christ is clear here. He, he says, when you're not desperate for Jesus, he'll go find someone desperate. When you don't see your need of him, Jesus will go find someone who's needy. When you don't think you're sick, Jesus will go to those who know they need healing, who know they need a Savior. Listen, this is a message of judgment from Jesus. It's a message of judgment. When you reject God's word, he will move on. When the chosen people of God, Israel, reject Jesus here in Nazareth, He'll go to those who receive him. Jesus was rejected by the people of Israel. Their hearts were hardened to his message. And now he says, you know what? Now I'm going to go to the nations. Now I'll just go to the Gentiles. I'll go to those who are desperate, those who are needy, those who are broken. Listen, let this story be a warning today. A warning to not harden your heart to reject Jesus. Again, you say, I'm not rejecting Jesus. I'm not, I mean, I wouldn't be here if I was rejecting Jesus. Are you receiving his word? Are you responding to his word? Are you rejoicing in his gospel? If not, then you're rejecting him. Like if you're leaving here today, with anything less than Jesus reigning over my life, you're rejecting Jesus. You're rejecting Him. And this is why it's so scary. How do you know this is not the last time you'll hear about Jesus? How do you know today, this moment, is not the last time that you'll hear about King Jesus? How do you know that this is not your last opportunity to repent of your sins and rejoice in Jesus today? How do you know that this is not your last chance to believe in Jesus before a tragedy hits your life? How do you know this is not your last time to find the for forgiveness and the freedom and the joy and the peace that you've been looking at everywhere else but in him. And he says today, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and I've come that you might have freedom. And I've come that you might be set free. I've come that you might see because you're blind. I've come that you might know what it's like to be in the favor of God.
to be hidden under the smile of God. You know, this is the last time that Jesus preached in Nazareth. How do you know this is not the last chance you'll have to hear? The synagogue that day clearly got the message. Jesus is moving on to the nations because all who were in the synagogue are filled, it says, filled with wrath. They get it. They, they rise up and they drag Jesus. They take him all the way out to the cliff to throw him off of it. Pastor Jody said a great title for this sermon would be, You Thought Your First Sermon Was Bad. Let's think about it as, as the people of Christ. As people who are living under the banner of the king of kings. If our king was rejected by people, we shouldn't expect it to be accepted by people. Like if your goal is to be applauded and to be celebrated and to be received with open arms by the world around us, then I think you're missing what it means to follow Christ Jesus. If your king was rejected, Jesus says to us, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But if you're anything like me this morning, maybe you feel the tension in this text. Maybe so it seems for a moment, maybe it seems like there's a problem with this passage. When we hear the words of Jesus and we see what's done to Jesus. I mean, if you're anything like me, you read this, this passage and you, you see Jesus on the edge of a cliff and you say, I don't know about you, but this doesn't look like favor. This doesn't look like the Lord's favor. The Messiah has just said, this is the year of the Lord's favor. The moment you've been waiting for, the kingdom has come. Yet before the day's over, he's being thrown off the side of a cliff. He's being reviled, rejected, and despised. But Isaiah 53, another servant song, says this about the Messiah. It says that the spirit-filled servant would also be the suffering servant. And it says this in Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. You see, the, the king of kings who, who deserved a warm welcome was taken to be thrown off a cliff. The king of kings who deserved a crown of glory instead was given a crown of thorns. The king of kings who was deserved to be accepted by men, celebrated by men, was rejected by his own people. The king of kings who deserved to, be, to receive all glory and all honor and all praise, instead he was despised. The king of kings who was worthy of all worship, instead the Lord's wrath was poured upon him. He might be sitting there like me saying, but what about the freedom that we've been waiting for? What about the peace that passes all understanding? What about the good news for the broken, for the poor, for the needy, for the desperate like me? This doesn't look like favor. Jesus deserves the, God's favor forever, but instead he gets the wrath of God. Why is that? 
Well, Isaiah continues. He says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, brothers and sisters, here is the scandalous good news of the gospel. The scandalous good news of the gospel is is this. It took the rejection of the king of kings on the cross for sinners like you and me to receive all the blessings of his kingdom. It took the rejection of the king of kings for you to be able to receive the lavish blessings of King Jesus. All the blessings of the kingdom. Jesus at the cross took the rejection that we deserve so we could receive the Father's acceptance that we didn't deserve. He took the wrath of the Holy Father on the cross so we could experience the smile of the Father forever. Without his rejection, we would have never been accepted as sons and daughters. Without his rejection, we would still be blind and could not see and experience his goodness and glory. Without his rejection, we would have never received true freedom from all our sins, from all our shame, and even from death. Without his rejection, we would have never known the favor, the acceptance, the smile of a holy father. Later in Isaiah 62, it says that, it says this amazing verse. It says, you shall no more be termed forsaken. That that was the people of God's name, forsaken. Instead, it says, but you shall be called, my delight is in you. My delight is in you. You know, when I was in high school, we used to sing a lot of shorter songs that didn't take as long to sing. Well, they shouldn't have taken as long to sing. We just sang them over and over and over. And there was one song that was so simple but was so true, it said this, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you. Sure, it might not look like fate, like we have favor to a watching world that's obsessed with having stuff and possessions. It might not always feel like we have favor when we're walking through the valley of suffering. It might not seem like favor when we're weighed down by this life, when we feel all alone, when we even are hated by the world around us. But the safest place in the world is hidden under the smile of the Father because of the death of the Son. 
That's the safest place to be in the world. Under the smile of the Father because of the death of His one and only Son. In closing, it reminds me of the late English reformer John Bradford who wasn't thrown off a cliff but who was burned at the stake for, for preaching the pure gospel of Jesus Christ under Queen Mary's tyrant rule. In that moment, it sure didn't look like favor when they were tying his hands to the stake. It sure didn't look like favor when they were lighting fire by the torch. It didn't look like favor when he was burning through the night. But John Bradford, right before he was lit on fire, he looked into the eyes of the other man being burned at the stake with him, and he said these words, Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. So the invitation is really simple this morning. Would you receive King Jesus this morning? Would you receive King Jesus? Would you rejoice in King Jesus today and receive all the blessings that are found in him? Forgiveness forever. Freedom forever. Favor forever under the smile of God. Or will you leave again today unaffected by the King of Kings? and the Lord of Lords. Let's pray together. We ask, God, that you would help us in this moment, that you would continue to do a work by the power of your Spirit, that, that Lord, those who do not know Jesus, those who've never trusted in Jesus, that those who have put off King Jesus, who calls us to repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. Lord, would they repent of their sins in this moment? Lord, by the power of your Spirit, would you convict them so that they would run from their sin and run to King Jesus to find all that their hearts have been waiting for, to find all the blessings that are lavished, poured out upon them in your Son, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for your people this morning that we would rest in King Jesus. That we would rest in all that we've been given in Him. That, that we are forever forgiven. That we are forever free. That we are forever under the favor of a holy God because of the death of His one and only Son. That, that You smile upon us. You, you say that we are called now. My delight is in You. Lord, I pray for your people that we would rejoice in that today. Lord, do not allow us to be unaffected and reject you again. Lord, let us rest and rejoice in King Jesus for your glory and for our joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.